millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Previously on Condensed Histories. I've been traveling through the swamps of Laonia. I've never quite got it. Why, why do I want to put myself through something like that? That belongs in a museum! You die a lot in it. That's the area where he appears. I've still not got into the late game yet, and people talk about something called the fire giant. Hello, and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history behind it. I'm your host, Jem Dudu. I'm just getting to the point here, okay? Elden Ring. I finished Elden Ring, okay? So we're going back to Elden Ring. And yes, there is some interesting history comparisons. And I will be going back to some of the other points that I said in the previous episode on Elden Ring. There's a two-parter, if you like. The point of the first one was to say, do you know what? Video games are hard, and from software games are notoriously hard. And it's interesting. To expand on that a little bit, when you look at the world of entertainment, you could have a lot of different choices. You could go to a theme park. You could watch a movie. You could read a book, listen to music, go to the theatre, play a video game. These are all ways that we spend our time entertaining ourselves. I always like the line that art decorates space. Music decorates time. I really like that because, yeah, well, what is the point of music except it just entertains you while you are doing other things or you go to a concert, perhaps, in which case it's a combination of like theatre almost, live performance and also the music as well. What I find interesting is out of all the ones I've just listed, the number one in terms of revenue generated by a country mile is video games. And I find that interesting. I think, and this is why I'm expanding on the previous episode, that human beings like a challenge. There was a passing remark in the very first Matrix movie about how when they created the first Matrix, they made it lovely for all human beings, but the human beings rejected it totally. They just recognized it as fake. Did you know that the first Matrix was designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered? where everyone would be happy. And <laughs> there was once a taxi driver who's, who said, actually to my wife, life is struggle. And it kind of is. Now, I don't want to be depressing about that, but we all 
like a challenge. It's very passive reading a book or watching a movie, you know, seeing a TV show, etc. Whether we get it or not, it will keep going. But it's not like that in many video games. The classic phrase is get good, G-I-T-G-U-D, get good. If you can't do this in, in whatever from software video game, then the answer is get good. And yeah, I find that really interesting that we, we like the challenge. We don't like unfair challenge. We don't want to be challenged all the time 24-7. We, we do like a bit of a break. But here's the thing, when we go on holiday vacation and we sit there at the side of a beach, there are some people who can do that, but they can't do that indefinitely. I certainly can't do that. I just, I'll get a tan as I'm moving around, but I'd like to see some, some ruins, see some history, do a, a city trip on a double-decker bus or something like that. So, yeah, I think that it is really interesting to me how we all like to push ourselves in a way that we are comfortable with. Now, that's the important caveat there. And of course, with video games is they might be pushing you in areas that you're feeling uncomfortable with or ill-equipped to deal with. I mean, from software, if we're talking about accessibility, this is a, increasingly a, a big conversation that a text-based video game, which there are less and less of them, if you're blind, you won't be able to know what, what's going on. Other ones, there are audio cues that, for example, a number of horror video games where certain noises indicate that there is a creature in the room or something like that. If you are hard of hearing, you won't be able to get that, and then you will find it just it's just naturally tougher because of various disabilities that you might have. How much you compensate on that for a mass production video game, that's a hard conversation. You know, if you're blind, you still won't be able to see any of the movies from Hollywood, and they don't make any allowances for that, although there is audio description. So yes, there, there are ways around it, but audio description in a video game might come too late. <laughs> There's a monster standing behind you. It has just killed you. Is not very helpful in a video game. Right, so that is the sort of setup and wrap up, if you like, of the last episode. So allow me to take you on a journey. By the way, yes, there will be some history towards the end of this. This isn't just me talking about the game, but I want to share. This is my first experience of a From Software game. People have been raving about it. And what's interesting is that you can tell what's hot in terms of what gets mentioned on YouTube. And I'm still getting occasionally something about Horizon Forbidden West, which is the game I finished just before Elden Ring. Loved Horizon Zero Dawn. Really enjoyed Horizon Forbidden West. More than they'd have done for us if this thing didn't work. Uh, if it didn't work? It could have not worked? The graphics are jaw-dropping. The graphics are vastly superior to Elden Ring. But the story isn't as good as the first one. And once you've played something like Elden Ring, you realize kind of how cut and paste something like a Horizon game or most games by Ubisoft or EA or whatever, how cookie cutter they are. I appreciate that people who are really into their From Software games will say, do you know what? These move sets have been lifted from this creature from this other game. Oh, look, there are more basilisks. They're straight out of other From Software games. But I think people give them more flexibility because they recognize it's the first time they've done an open world and it is an incredibly ambitious game. So, where did I leave off with you last time? I said that there was a boss that I was having difficulty with, and I finally managed to beat them. That gave me a real shot in the arm. I got him! I now know, in hindsight, that that was... Basically, there are, like, four key areas. There's... 
That's the first area. And really, it's just a huge area that is, in essence, sort of teaching you the rest of the game. Yeah, there's some tough stuff in there, but the point is, sorry, Limgrave I'm talking about. The other thing, the big problem is you've got Margot and Margit and Melania and uh, whatever. You've got Radagan and Radon and whatever. That might actually be a shampoo. <laughs> Why? Why have Godfrey's and Godricks and, I don't know, Jeff's or whatever? There's no Jeff. You just have different names. Some of these names are so, so similar, even down to the areas. So Limgrave is the first area, and it's almost like a demo level. There are some tough things in there and you start so woefully under leveled that everything can kill you. But you know, after mucking around in that area for 10 hours, you know the basic mechanics of the rest of the game. Like for example, if you find a cavern entrance, this is going to lead to an area where you cannot have your mount going to have to walk around. It's basically a dungeon. And always, always at the bottom of the dungeon, there'll be some kind of boss to fight. And if you fight them, you'll get some bigger reward. But there probably isn't anywhere to save from the opening of the cave mouth all the way down to the boss. So good luck with that. So that would be an example of something that is true in the first 10 hours, as it is in the 60th hour, as I sort of mop up the game. Obviously, what's in them as you go into different areas gets harder and harder. So you, basically there's Limgrave, which is just sort of fields, really. A few hills, lots of ruins, things like that. Then you go to Lyurnia, which is similar on the edges, but in the middle there's this kind of lake slash swamp. Obviously things are harder. And right in the middle of this lake, there is the, the Academy of Rua Lacania, which is where I had that boss I had real difficulty with. The problem was, as a spellcaster, the boss in there was a spellcaster, so resistance to spells. But more importantly, is at the beginning, get this, so there is like a library where you fight in this, and there are these young women, apparently they're children, which makes it even worse, but there are these young women who are like lying on the floor in these full gowns, like university gowns, and they're kind of crawling on their hands. It is creepy. And they are either holding a candlestick, so if you get too close to them, they breathe fire at you. Or there's a few that are glowing and they fly magical books at you. So the point is, anywhere else, there's a boss I've got to fight. I can lock onto it by clicking a button and then I can start spamming spells and run around it and hopefully outmaneuver it, hit it from range. But the problem with all these little kids lying there on the ground is I, I can't lock onto the right one. And I have to kill three glowing ones to let the big boss come down. I then can damage the boss. Then the boss goes back up again with around a shield and I have to kill three more of these people who are glowing and also throwing magical books at me, which cause damage. You can see it's a whole thing and a whole hassle, and that's just the first half of the battle. Second half of the battle is actually a bit more straightforward, because although this witch is sort of like pouring out loads of energy and, and magic and things like that, if you've got a good summon with you, the summon plus you can deal with it relatively quickly. But you've got to get to that point. So I did that. That's halfway through the game. Also, for the record, you don't even need to kill her to complete the quests. I just assumed I had to. Turns out you don't. You then go to Lindell. See, we've got Limgrave, Leonia, and Limdell. Limdell's the capital city. This is where it starts getting properly hard. There are all kinds of magical creatures there, which cause lots of different difficulties and so on and so forth. At one point, you have to climb up a giant tree. So, of course, if you fall off the side, you're going to die and start again. <laughs> And 
And then this finally leads into the last area, which is the, the frost area. Now, look, in each one of these areas, there are other areas you can go to. I've been to Siofra River underneath the, the first place of Lindell. Also in the area around the capital city, there's Mount Gelmir. I went there to get a spell. More on the spell later. Point is, it is a huge game and it's really packed with, with stuff. If I'm going to give it some criticisms, there are times when it does break its own rules and it just doesn't feel very fair. The other thing I was going to say in terms of negativity is the enemy, look, there's enemies everywhere. And you know what? Nobody seems to be having very much of a good time. Everybody's either mad or depressed or they're a monster out to get you or they're a mad depressed person who's out to get you. I think you can start spotting a theme here. But they have quite limited vision. They're on very structured routines, you know, march up and down the, the this road again and again and again, no variation. In that regard, Horizon actually does a better job. There, There is more variation in terms of what the creatures can do. They can see further. They can sort of sense you and maybe will start sort of like breaking their routine to sort of like check you out. Whereas in this, they basically do exactly the same thing until they engage, at which point they go at you strong. And, you know, lots of them have very different types of attacks and you've got to learn how to dodge them or whatever. But yeah, I'm going to say the AI just generally out there is a bit dumb compared to other games and the way they up the difficulty is because you know if you get it wrong can't dodge whatever don't never met this thing before it can surprise you and hit you surprisingly hard and the i guess the third thing is as i said in the first one the graphics are fine but in terms of second gen or next generation ps5 graphics not up to scratch could be better so with all those things said and done Yes, I eventually get to the snowy area. You have to go into the snowy area, and that's where you meet the fire giant. And if you do any kind of search about Elden Ring, you'll discover that the fire giant is hell. So look, in essence, you know what a giant is. Big giant walks towards you in a field of snow. Fee, fi, fo. Fun. Problem is this, as you get near him, he has one of two moves. He basically gets his shield, scoops it into the snow and throws it towards you. This massive fan of basically of an avalanche heading towards you. So you have to time that perfectly to get no damage. And also if it does hit you, you're then knocked onto your back prone and this giant's still coming towards you and it takes you seconds to get up again. Or the other thing is he has with the shield, he can sort of jump up in the air and slam the shield down, which is pretty much insta-kill. Doesn't matter how much health you've got, it just kills you out straight. So just getting near him is a challenge. And that's the thing that has caused problems for so many different people, including me. This is the enemy that I probably had the most time redoing again and again and again. And the other thing is, to really cause damage, you've got to be underneath him. To give you an idea, your character model goes up to his ankle. So 80% of this giant is off screen and you just have to be kind of aware of where his shield is likely to be because not only can he bring it down, he can also sweep it side to side. So if you're on the wrong side of his leg, you could be in trouble. Does that sound hard? Well, here comes the next bit. As he gets towards half health, he starts setting the ground underneath him on fire. So you then have to very, it starts burning and then it sort of roars up. So you have to, once you see that, you have to then get out the way and then, you know, do the magic from afar. Then the second phase is actually a bit easier. He's on his knees, he's, he's less maneuverable. He tends to throw lots of fireballs around the place, which are not that hard to dodge. Goodness gracious, 
But you've got to get sort of like close enough to sort of melt him down. A lot of what he does, and he can roll around as well. And if he rolls and hits you, that's that's basically an insta-kill again. And he just caused a nightmare for me. However, there is sometimes not only can you summon your own thing, you can summon somebody else to help you, either real. I've never worked out how to do that. From software, shame on you. There's an entire multiplayer part of this, and I can work out how to invade another person's game, because I had to to get to a special place. For the record, I'm a polite invader. The idea is you go in, you attack the other person and get some of their stuff. It's really annoying. I mean, the game's hard enough. You don't need people invading you. So I invaded three people's places, because you have to do it three times to get a thing. All I did was invade the person, arrive in their area. I never even saw the person. I just found the nearest cliff and just ran off it and died of damage, because all you had to do is invade three times. And I wasn't out to try and get people. So that's that. But you could also summon people who you've met in the world. And there's this lovely guy called Alexander, who is a giant jar. I'm not making this up. He's like a huge clay pot with like a stopper in the top of it, with arms and legs sticking out of it. And he's a brave warrior. And yeah, I've met him a few times. First time you actually meet him, he's stuck in the ground. You need to help him with that. Apparently, a second time you can meet him, he's stuck in the ground. You have to sort of like ease him out with some oil. I never did that, but I did meet him the third time. I had to go and find him the third time to get him to join me to fight against this fire giant where he's got cracks in his pot so you find him literally in a lake of lava and he goes oh hello how are you doing ah good sir what business might you have in such a place as this i hardly think you're here to temper yourself with flame considering that fleshly form of yours and you know he just chats to you while he's in the lake of lava so with him plus me plus my rather powerful summon, we managed to bring down. Once I knew that I could summon Alexander, it only took two or three goes with him, plus my summon and me, to finish the fire giant. But Lord, that thing is hard. And for those people who are going, well, you know, you can actually trick him to fall off a cliff or whatever, that's been patched out now, so I couldn't do that cheap trick. But this is the thing, because these bosses use kind of unfair tactics, cheese as some people call it, then there's no harm in you using unfair tactics, you know, glitches in the AI, places they can't quite reach you in the in the arena. Why not? And and this is kind of apparently half the fun for a lot of people. Now, as I'm describing summons, as I'm describing a wizard, I know that there are some purists there going, Jem, you're not playing this right. This should just be you as a warrior getting up close, sword against fire giant or whatever. But, you know, if that's how you enjoy the game, good. Good for you. You enjoy the game. But I bought the game to play and I can play it however I want. Now, if From Software don't want me to play it a certain way, they put in patches to change things and sometimes they realize a, a weapon is too powerful or what have you. So, OK, fine. Got it. But it's OK. I'm allowed to play it my way. And I had fun doing it. And it was still hard. Don't don't believe for a moment that it was easy. So you, you beat the fire giant. What I found interesting was the completion rate for the fire giant was something like 36.8%. And then you have to run past him. He's dead now. You then have to run up a huge chain and run along a, a ridge. Literally, that's all you have to do. There's nothing in the way. There's nothing to stop you. It's very obvious where you have to go. And then you have to light this huge fire cauldron. I noticed that the completion rate, because you get a little token for that, like a little trophy, I noticed that the completion rate had dropped 1%. So, so look, I get that only about a third of people have got past the fire giant because, man, is he hard. But why, after you've done that, did you not go forwards for about a minute of playtime? That baffles me, quite frankly. Maybe people were sort of like, that's it, I'm done, done with this game. I wasn't. I mean, I was nearly done with the game when I was fighting that fire giant, but I wasn't actually 
you know, once I got past, it's like, I'm going to keep going. Then I heard a number of people say that once they got past the fire giant, they thought, Do you know what? This is it. This is going to be the end game. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And I guess you sort of are, but you have to go to this place called Crumbling Faramazula, which is, which is amazing. It's, it, it actually looks quite like the Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. There's sort of like these crumbly ruins suspended in midair with this whirling vortex in the middle of it. It's all very sort of like gray and, and brown and it's, it's, it's not multicolored like the Doctor Strange thing, but this whole feeling of, of otherworldliness, yeah, that's definitely there and it's cool. So with that in mind, I'm now in this new area and there, in that area, there are two other key bosses. I dealt with them pretty quickly. I know other people had real difficulties with them, but again, I had this very powerful summon, the Black Knife Tish. Now, to get the Black Knife Tish, you have to fight basically a version of it to begin with. And my goodness, this thing is agile. It jumps around, leaps around, so on and so forth. And I had terrible time getting it, but because people are saying it's pretty much the best summon in the game, and I wasn't, I still hadn't worked out how to do multiplayer, I still haven't right now, and I finished the damn game, I just persevered. And this is where I go back to the fact that I wanted to get this spell, because people kept using this, what looked like almost cheating spell called Azur's Comet. And imagine basically a column of pure turquoise energy pouring out of your wand, like a, I mean, literally like a column towards the enemy there's just this, there isn't a, it isn't a fireball it is just a constant stream of energy and it yes obviously it uses up a lot of your own like magic points or whatever you have but there's i've i've got a cheat for that as well there's this thing you can drink in for like 15 seconds that no magic uses up any of your magic points so this thing pours on for about 20 seconds it has limitations it takes a while to build up its power and secondly 
Once you're doing it, you can't move. And on top of that, if the thing you're dealing with moves out of the way of the column, it's causing no damage. But it does tend to knock things over. And it took me forever to get into that position with the Black Knife Tish real person. But eventually I got it. Incredibly satisfying. Now I've got the magic summon. Magic summon is helping me all the time. But with that, again, with that incredibly powerful spell and another spell, which is kind of like these sort of homing lightning bolts, very useful when the later bosses do a lot of jumping around, that I was able to get through the two bosses in this other weird area pretty easily. Indeed, the the last main boss, I know there are other bosses lurking around, but by now it's like, I don't want to do any more bosses. I just want to get to the end of this game. And these get, these bosses are hard, properly hard. So there's this thing where he's a beastman, then he turns into the Blade of Malaketh, I think his name is. But the point is, the first part, he launches towards you. So he just, well, he sort of like walks sinisterly towards you. So I just blasted him with that comet thing and melted him. Now, the second version, he's like a giant lion in armor, leaping around these columns, swinging his sword, causing huge areas of damage. That was a lot harder to deal with. But fortunately, with my summon and do you remember those homing lightning bolts? Very useful, brought him down. And actually, once you're at this floating weird place, if you just want to go boss, 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 there isn't much left in the game. Obviously, you can go wherever you want, but that floaty place isn't nearly as big as some of the other areas in the, in the game. It's got lots of hard, just general monsters in it, plus the other stuff. And so we come all the way back to the Elden Tree, which... You, which Hours and hours and hours earlier, you defeated the boss outside it. And it's like, ah, but you, it's covered by thorns and brambles. You need to, you need to burn it down. Hence why you have to go to the fire giant and go to this huge cauldron and stuff. But then for some, I don't actually know why you then have to suddenly go to this crumbly place. But now we go all the way back to the tree. There is another sort of final boss to fight. He caused me medium amount of difficulty. Not that, not particularly hard actually to but just to get to him there is a, a minor boss which apparently some people have difficulties with particularly if you're a, a warrior because you've got to get close to him you use lots of spells but he looks at you and he starts to talk to you and I just fired that incredible column of energy in his face for 15 seconds he just died other people because they didn't have my type of character found him hard I got lucky I had everything that just melted him instantly basically and then you come to the final bosses. Now, I'm not going to tell you who they are because, you know, maybe you haven't finished it yet. But this is a point where the game flat out cheats. OK, there is one boss. Now, like I say, sometimes there are two bosses at the same time. And when, when you defeat two bosses, you know, sometimes they might resurrect each other or whatever. It's annoying, whatever. But once you've killed both bosses, that's it. Game over. Done. I can move on to the next bit. I can save. I can heal, etc. This is a full on boss battle that when you finally kill them, it immediately goes into a completely separate boss battle with something that you have never even encountered anything vaguely like it before. You, you don't even know what the spells they're casting are, and it's like... Everything you've ever dreaded was under your bed, but told yourself couldn't be by the light of day. How am I meant to know what to do here, etc.? Now, I got pretty good with the first boss, where, of course, the longer you take with the first boss, the more of your own resources you're using up for the second boss. And also, if I've created that summon, that summon will get beaten around a bit, which means they got less health to deal with the second boss. Thanks. Thanks so much. Now, I got pretty good with the first boss. I, I, I would say overall, 90% of the time killed it and killed it fairly quickly, which is impressive because it is a hard boss. But I, by now, I have got into the rhythm of the game. 
That second boss, though, man, man, was that difficult. And of course, every time you died, you then have to go through the whole fighting the first boss again. And that was the one. That was the one. And I guess appropriately for the last story boss of the game, that was the one that you had to, that caused me so much trouble. Good heavens, that thing annoyed me. But, but then when I finally beat it, it was like, yes. Well, this calls for a celebration. I will. I'm awesome. I've done it. I'd seen lots of videos on how to do it, but of course I hadn't done it earlier. Technically, I had killed it. I'd got it down to about 10% of its health when it killed me, but during the animation of you sort of like dying, it's probably about 10 seconds where it says you died, but you're still there and there's still stuff going on. And in those 10 seconds, my summon killed it. But because I was already dead, it didn't happen simultaneously. I know some people, they die and pretty much the same time, I don't know, a spell goes off or whatever they get through it and it's like but even then it didn't trigger it's like oh, i'm gonna have to do this about four more times or actually turned out to be more like 15 more times but i did it And then you have a choice to do the whole game all over again, harder, but still keep your own equipment. And this gives you a chance to check out areas which by now are blocked off because people are dead or, or whatever. I'm not. I am probably going to fiddle around with a little bit of it. I'm, I want to basically up my stats so I can use a thing and then see how, that, how much fun that is. But I can tell I'm basically done with the game. I do not feel the need to go into every nook and cranny and find out exactly everything and fight everything. There are a few things I know I want to mop up. And like I said, I specifically want to level up a few more levels so I can use a very powerful item and see how much fun that is. And so, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. It is the hardest game I've played since I was a kid and things like Commodore 64s were just hard for various reasons. Don't know. Have a listen to my previous episode about Elden Ring. But here's the thing. As I said in the first one, what's going on? incredibly obscure but i've listened to a few videos and now that i've gone through a lot of it i you know i've picked up certain things and what this is about is nostalgia it's about a morning of times lost and if you like that's that's really important in terms of national identity it affects the modern world and it affected the world 2000 years ago and this game does a really good job of it. The idea is that there is this huge, gigantic golden tree that sprouts out of the capital city, which kind of makes it the capital city. And it's, it's sort of brought kind of order to the whole world. But in the meantime, we are way past the glory days. The reason why I'm going through all these ruins, these colossal structures, is because there was this huge civilization in the past. And the monsters, the bosses that you're fighting, this was a family of, of basically aristocrats and leaders that, that were basically there in their prime and they've been twisted over the centuries or unknown amount of time so that they've gone mad or they've become obsessed with certain things. And the, the ending that I chose, because I, I wanted to get certain things, and also I seemed to be the only person who's being vaguely nice to me, this rather mysterious blue witch called Rani, with four arms and a huge hat. I am the witch Rani. I stole death long ago. This is also a game largely about very large hats and helmets. Everybody seems to have outlandish hats and helmets. It's almost pointless 
working out what your face looks like, so you're hardly ever going to see it. This amused my wife when she was sort of occasionally saying, I went, look at this, look at this, look, I beat this incredibly difficult thing, look, look, look. And then she went, why are you wearing such a huge hat? I went, I just have to, it buff, buffs me, okay? So, regardless, I did the Rani route, I got the Rani ending, if in case you're wondering which one I did, or I seem to be getting married at the end, which is nice. <laughs> And I, I don't quite know what's going on, but Rani is clearly one of the more noble of these sort of uh, Elden Lords that, that had been around for a long time. And yeah, like I say, this kind of this mourning of the past, this sort of the fact that we weren't as good as we used to be, I find really interesting. And, and I'll come to specifically nostalgia in a moment. But if you think at the moment, I'm not justifying this at all. I'm merely talking about what a person has said. What they have said is wrong and they've twisted the history to suit their purposes. But let's just very briefly talk about Vladimir Putin and the invasion of Ukraine. He, in the summer of 2021, had this multiple page, basically history thesis as to why Ukraine has always been part of Russia. Now, I did an episode on Ukraine. You might want to listen to that one. Basically, the, the, the Rus, the, the Slavic peoples of the area, started in the city of Kiev in modern-day Ukraine. And it wasn't for another 250 years, give or take, that Moscow was founded. So the point is that I'm saying he's twisted, but he's twisted it all around to suit his purposes and his own narrative. But the point is there is this, there is this mourning of the breaking of this sort of union between these two peoples. You know, which, which almost sounds like the start of a fantasy novel. And he's sort of right, but he's also very wrong too. But this is a modern leader using a thousand-year-old history to, to suit their purposes about a modern political situation. China talks about the century of humiliation from roughly 1850 to 1949, when the Communist Party win the Civil War and Mao takes over. But for about a hundred years, give or take, Basically, you had lots of invading armies from different cultures and civilizations. The, the British had the opium wars with China. They weren't good. And there was the Boxer Rebellion and all kinds of things. It was an incredibly tumultuous and degrading century for China, because if you looked earlier, they had you know, the highest civilization. They had a huge structure of science and philosophy and even something like an incredibly complex civil service and sort of tax returns and things like that had been going on since the time of the Romans, or ancient Greeks, really. And so, yeah, so of course this is like, let's look at things like the Ming dynasty or the Tang dynasty or the Song, whatever, you know, let's look at the past and all these past achievements. And, you know, let's mourn this. And basically we are the modern incarnation of the mighty China of the past. The other one is this idea of mourning the past probably is oldest and longest placed in England. How can I say that? Because 1066, the invasion by William of Normandy, Duke of Normandy, changed the language of the aristocrats, changed the scenery, literally, as castles were built to suppress the local populations. And so you get this period in the 11th century, we've all heard the phrase, the good old days. The times when under the Anglo-Saxon leaders, people were freer and so on and so forth. And this idea of Robin Hood, 
backing the old Saxon way of doing things. That you know that was uh, that was, didn't come up contemporary. And Robin Hood is a legend. He's not a real person. But Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other has to say. This is writings going back you know, half a millennia sort of looking back in essence, again, a bit like Putin, it's not actually historically accurate, but the idea that we've lost something. And indeed, you know, today in modern Britain, there's this feeling, you know, the, the conversation about the British Empire is a complex one, but we can all agree we ain't as powerful as we used to be. And, you know, there, there can be a little bit of a mourning of like, oh, it'd be lovely if, we, if Britannia still ruled the waves as the song goes. A lot of countries talk about the good old days. It's harder for something like Germany, because Germany's really only existed for about 150 years. America, they might talk about good good old days, but really they've only been around for well, not even quite 250 years. So yeah, it's other countries that tend to, you know, Italy is constantly looking back at things like the Renaissance or the Romans, because undeniably Italy was doing better in those times. Then we get the concept of nostalgia. And what's interesting is this starts cropping up in the 1600s and for about 200 years, nostalgia was thought of as an illness, a deadly illness. It was sometimes referred to as the Swiss disease because they thought that Swiss people were more prone to this. This might be because Switzerland had a healthy trade in mercenaries. So if you're a Swiss mercenary in Italy, you might be moaning about how you want to go back home. And therefore it's like, oh God, they seem to be down. It did seem to be quite prevalent in British sailors in the Royal Navy as they were exploring things like the Pacific. So you could start talking about homesickness, but this pining for what I've lost led to people thinking genuinely it was causing sort of debilitating illness and even death. The last time we see it seen and taken seriously as an actual illness is in the US Civil War. More than a dozen men on the Union side, according to records, seem to have died of nostalgia. How? Why? Certain songs about, like, my sweet home were banned in the Union Army because they thought it might cause an outbreak of nostalgia and men would die and we need these men to fight the battles. How weird is that as a concept? Now, it was basically after the US Civil War in the 1860s that people recognized that nostalgia was not killing people. But nowadays, we talk about nostalgia in two ways. I feel nostalgic for bloody blah tends to be with a hint of sadness, a hint of melancholy. But then nostalgia, the pop culture, I mean, let's face it, this is the thing that I'm talking about on this. It's seen with a sort of like a, a joie de vivre, a sheer joy of things. You know, a lot of people were looking forward to Top Gun 2 because it had been 35 years since Top Gun. And, you know, it's like, let's have some fun with airplanes again. Not necessarily about the quality of the movie or anything else, but it was just like slipping into a comfortable pair of shoes. This is why we like sequels and things like that, why we like reboots and, and retellings and so on and so forth. There is this comfort in familiarity and a feeling that, pe you know, people don't make them like they used to. That could be applied to books, could be cars, movies, whatever. There's this feeling that we have somehow lost something over the years. And you absolutely, that is in the DNA. Apparently, you know, I don't know this for a fact. So I said that the story of this was written by George R.R. R. Martin. And I was sitting there in the last one going, is it, did he or whatever? But apparently what he did is he created the culture and then from the software basically broke it down, went, okay, that was the pinnacle. Now let's sort of like corrupt it all and make it, sort of let it fall into decay. 
So there we go. I have finally conquered, mastered even, a From Software game. Don't start coming at me about going, have you done Melania? Can't even be bothered to get into that area. And I certainly don't want to be fighting a boss that people say is the hardest From Software boss of all time. I, I've had my fun with it. I'm really glad I played it. If hopefully what I've said might have interested you. Look, I'm a guy pushing 50 and I wear glasses. If I can do it in my own cheesy way, then pretty much anybody can. And so, yeah, hopefully that might have inspired you to have a look at it. And hopefully you can see how nostalgia is a thing that has affected societies over many centuries in many parts of the world. And indeed, probably we are all naturally a bit nostalgic. Thanks very much for listening. And as always, another episode coming soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.